You know, a lot of us grew up in sheltered households in which our parents didn't want to expose us to the outside world. And in turn, you know, most sheltered kids grow up having one problem or another because they were sheltered from the reality of the world. So we discuss practically what happens in our lifestyles as we grew up in sheltered households. Um, I, you know, I am Nigerian by birth, so a sheltered African household is a lot different. When you have immigrant parents that migrated to America, as well as you being an immigrant that migrates to America as well, life is just a lot more difficult than what it would be for a regular American that, that grew up in the States. So we talk about how growing up in America, or practically I talk about how growing up in America, um, how my parents did not want me to be exposed to American values and American lifestyle, how that affected me growing up, um, the, the rebellious phases that I've been through, the, the, the how I am now, you know, everything stems from how you grew up and how you were raised. So come listen, um, as we practically discuss our upbringing and our shelteredness and the experiences that we faced, as we talk about our growing up. Again, my name is O, aka Big Red, and I thank you for coming to stop by the Life Don't Stop podcast. Please, season two is coming up soon. Um, episodes will be out in the beginning of September, so please, if you have not taken a listen to these couple episodes that we have in here, I strongly recommend that you do. True, true. What about you, Olu? Because you grew up in a African, like a 100% African household. Olu. Okay, I was trying to unmute my mic. Um, well, um, well, growing up in a Nigerian household, we were definitely, definitely shunned from the world. Um, I think with us, that just gave us a sense of independence and finding out who we are because everybody went down a different path and everybody took a different route. Um, but it's like we all ended up in the same place, you know? Uh, when, when being trapped in the house, they, they instill in our minds that we, we need to do what we need to be successful. And that the reason why you came to this country was to, you know, get out of the situation that you're in, because in our country, there's nothing there for us. So 
we understood the struggle and why we were here. So for us, it was like, okay, since we understand, you know, we, we need to do what we need to do to be successful. But I know with me, I, I, I went down my own path. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, education is number one. So everybody follows that education path. I try to take down the path of education and was just like, yeah, no. Like, school is fun, but not that fun. Um, but it did make me... In, being sheltered didn't make me rebellious. I feel like everything that was happening in my life is what made me rebellious. So... You know, the whole being in America with no parents and just, you know, freaking out, not really sure what to do. You know, just that that is what drew my rebellious side out. That's what made me, you know, fall into like smoking weed. So I got to where I was as a heavy smoker only because I, I use smoking to mask my problems. But aside from that, <clears throat> being sheltered didn't really... I don't think it affected me in a public standing because at the end of the day, I might have wanted to try certain things, but I, did, I, I knew, Nigerians would tell you, remember the child of who you are. So before you go out and do something, <laughs> you better remember your parents. Remember who your mother is. Remember who your father is. And before you do something stupid, remember that we'll disown you the moment you do something stupid and embarrass us. So it's for a sense of pride and honor because we have a lot of pride and honor. We won't do anything to tarnish our names. Um, we, we stare clear out of trouble. So I, my sheltered upbringing did not, you know, I feel like it was just sheltered upbringing. Um, I definitely do not have a problem raising my child like that. Because the world is a dangerous place. The world is a very toxic place. And children today are growing up off social media. So if I can keep my child, I won't say completely away from it because it's impossible to keep your child away from the media and social media. But if I can keep my child at a good distance or limit how much of the media they're exposed to and kind of shelter them a little bit from the world, then yes, you know, I, I can do that. But I'm not going to be like, yeah, you can't go out with your friends. You can't do this. No, the importance of friendship and growing up, I, I value that. Because now that I live in California, you know what I'm saying, I don't have all my friends in California. So most of the time, I'll be looking at myself like, damn, I let to kick it with somebody right now and do shit that, you know, I couldn't do when I was a teenager with the people that I wanted to do it with, but I can't. Yeah, but see, see, what you just explained, though, right, is that you were sheltered, you still, you went down your own path, but you, it seems like for you to go out and explore different areas as an adult to potentially make friends, you rather not, because you're so, you're so, you're so fine with being on your own to a uh, point. I'm completely fine with being on my own period only because I'm an introvert. So it's more of like my, my, my social side. I'm, I'm, I'm completely introverted. So I can like, when it comes to like family events, like my whole family will go out and I'll stay in the house and just be on my phone or on my computer or playing a game or like doing homework. 
I, I'm completely fine being independent. So being sheltered was not a problem for me because when my mom would send me to my room, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to sleep. I'm tired anyways. Or she'll go put me on punishment and I'll fall asleep in the corner. And, you know, it, it, it'd be what it was, but like it, it didn't bother me too much because I had no problem being isolated from the rest of the world. It, it, become so, it became so comfortable that I, I just typically would just isolate myself from the rest of the world because I'm just like, well, I don't have anything to do with this party or this group of people. Um, so I'm going to go over here and mind my business. And, and that's just what it was. And that's what it became. Hmm. So you don't see anything wrong with that in any way? I think that minding my business has been a very good route all my life. Minding my business kept me out of bullshit. See, <coughs> I had to learn to mind my business because growing up, my mouth was sharp. <coughs> sharp. Okay. I used to say shit to people and I used to hurt people's feelings or I used to say smart shit. I just didn't know what to say. So I said anything. So once I realized that that was my problem, all I had to do was shut up. And the moment I shut up, I just, I would only speak when necessary. Never really speak because I have something to say, but if, if I need to say something, then I, I'll say something. Aside from that, there's no need for me to speak. So I could be in a room full of people and I see nobody there but me or whomsoever I want to see. You know, that that sense of emotional detachment, I, I think, was very necessary because, again, you get that constant reminder of you can't be out here doing what everybody else is doing because you're not one of them. You know, and be, because as, a, as an immigrant child, you can't be out here just doing things that the American kids are doing. If they get caught up in some shit and the police stop you, then the fuck what? Then you got a whole situation that you you, you don't really need to be in because you, you didn't do what your parents told you to do. So instead of me, like, like freshman year. Okay, freshman year, everybody used to go out, you know, everybody used to sometimes chill out after school. I used to go straight home. If it wasn't ROTC, I wasn't, I wasn't staying after school. It, it didn't become, it didn't become a little bit, it didn't, they didn't, African parents don't loosen up until you get to a, a age in which they feel like you're, you know, a little bit more responsible. So came, come like junior, senior year, I was able to do things and be out late hours of the night, you know what I'm saying, without being questioned. But even with that, it was it was taken the wrong way. Like my effort, my, my dad from Nigeria took that as I was doing gangs. And, you know, he said, you're out here doing gangs till midnight. Uh, nobody knows where you are. And you want to be out in the streets? You are a streets boy. Ah, on Mojagaban. And I'm just like, bro, it's just like, nah, realistically, you know, you don't give me a phone. If I do have a phone, my phone gets taken away because I did something, supposedly, you know. And the way Nigerian parents do is they'll hide whatever they take from you. So you take my phone and you don't remember where you put it. So I ain't got a phone till thy kingdom come. We're just paying a phone bill with a phone that's non-existent. 
So now, yes, it makes you go around and do sneaky shit, but I never really went above and beyond what I needed to do. I would just stay in my lane and mind my business. There's nothing wrong with staying in your lane and minding your business. I feel like it's a very narrow and centralized way to move in life. It's it's comfortable. Mm. Okay. That's interesting that you say that when you would be in your room, like, or they would send you to your room, like, because you were so sheltered, or they would always, you know, your upbringing was similar to mine. And I had the same thing, like they would always have me on punishment or something like that to where I would always be in my room by myself. But when I say it was like my solitude, when I said I was just glad that I was out the way, like and getting in trouble because I'm already in trouble for something, so I can't get in trouble again, like because I'm staying in my room and I learned how to be by myself. I learned how to just learn myself, if you will. Like, you know, I would literally, my parents, if one Christmas had got me a piano. Like one of little keyboard piano things. And I set that mug up and I just started playing and I started teaching myself because I stayed in on punishment in my room. Like <laughs> but you could they didn't stop me from touching my stuff in my room. Like, you know, don't play with your toys, don't play with nothing. Like, you know, they'd be like just be in your room. Okay. So I'm about to get on this thing and I'm about to teach myself some stuff. Or I got these books and I was reading my mom used to say, like, why you read so much? What do you mean why? I don't have nothing else to do. I'm on punishment. Like I can't watch T V and half the time I didn't even have a TV in my room. You know? When I was growing up, they brought one in like way late high school, you know. Then I was done. So I thought it was yeah. I thought that's interesting that we share that same type of outlook, even though we both were like sheltered. <laughs> like, I like, learned. Oh, we go to our room. That's fine. I learned that even it, so. Once I learned that, once I shut up my mouth and I mind my business and I just stay in my lane. I, I realized that I was the black sheep in my family, okay? So I never understood why I kept going through the shit that I was going through until I stopped for a second and realized that the reason why I'm going through what I'm going through is because I'm living in a household where I'm not their child. Mm. So because I'm not your child and you feel like the pressure of raising three children because what happened was my stepmom had just came come to America. Two months later, she gets dropped off three kids. Two of them are hers and one of them is not. The only reason why you're now taking care of a child that's not yours is because the mother, my mother took care of both of your kids. So now it's like, okay, is shit done out of spite or is shit done out of love? Like, are you doing this because you have to, or are you doing this because you love me? And so once I stopped for a second, I was just like, damn, like shit is real. Okay, so because I'm the black sheep and she's not gonna love me the way she loves her kids, I gotta move how I gotta move and do what I gotta do that's best for me. So that's what really like drove the, the rebellion of, okay, well, instead of trying to make every, because what I was doing was I, I'd try to make everybody else happy and I wouldn't really care too much about myself. So I had to flip the script of, oh, well, let me focus more on myself and fuck everybody else's happiness because I'm never going to be as happy as them because I don't have the people in my life that love and support me around me. So 
I had to I had to move off of that. So once I realized I was the black sheep, I was like, okay, well, I I gotta I gotta I gotta make my own way. And even now, as I live in California, it's crazy because I would have a conversation with my mom or my stepmom, and you you hear all the regret in her voice of them. Like I I never should have treated you the way I treated you because everything that I thought that you would be is not what you became. Mm. I was just like, yeah, because you, you wanted me to be something that I was not going to be. You thought I was going to get some woman pregnant. You thought I was going to be a figure. You thought I wasn't going to make it. You thought I was going to be living in the house with you all my life. And when I moved out your house before any of your kids did, everybody got upset like, oh, Wow, you, you you really moved on without us. And I went I to Minnesota. I went to Minnesota and I was mad. I was mad for years. Cause my dad told me, Yeah, y'all doing gang, you're doing this. And I went to Minnesota and I had the biggest rebellion of my life. I didn't want any aspect of discipline. I didn't want anybody to say shit to me. My problem was, you're raising me from a distance and you think that you know what's best for me. How can you tell me what's best for me? You're just going to uproot me from where I was and put me in a whole new environment and just tell me to get used to it. Fuck. I, I went through three years of dealing with them. Three years of dealing with everybody in Minnesota. I left Minnesota. I came back to Maryland because my brother picked up a phone and told me that my mom was going through some shit in life and that they couldn't afford to help pay rent and they they needed my help. And me having a big ass heart, packed up all my shit and moved back home to Maryland because I was tired of where I was in Minnesota. And the moment I moved back home, I regret that shit because I was just like, man, I had the opportunity to educate myself and be the best version of me that I can be. But instead, I came back to a family that still does not appreciate me just as much as they did when I left. Fuck. So it was like taking one step forward and two steps back. And then as you look at your life now, I'm about to be fucking 30. I went through three years of school. I didn't fucking finish. Mm. I studied criminal justice and then I didn't even want to do that just to turn around and be like, I want to be a psychologist because I didn't know what I wanted to study. And everybody was trying to make a decision for me in my life for what I was going to do. You need to do accounting. You need to be an accountant. I'm an accountant. So accountants, what you're going to be Africans have this expectation on their kids that drive them crazy because it's like, we cannot be what we want to be because you expect us to follow this lineage of my father was this and I am this and now you will become this. I don't, I don't, I don't want to follow that lineage. I always wanted to do what I wanted to do and discover what I love to do. I did three years of school, didn't even finish. The part that kills me the most is when you be looking, when you be putting in on your little dating websites and shit, they be asking about your educational level and you put some college. I be looking at myself sometimes like fucking some college, bro. Like <laughs> some college, not even bachelor's degree or associates, some college. 
like I was so angry with myself at that point in life that I really gave up my education to come back home just to struggle with you. To struggle. So quick question. So do you regret not finishing or do you regret that they even just pushed you to do any of the things that you really didn't want to do? I regret not understanding the purpose of why people did things in my life. I regret being ignorant as a child and just pushing away the help that everybody was trying to give me because it's not like I didn't have the resources. It's not like I didn't have family that was there to love and support me. Even every time that I fucked up, there was always somebody there to back me and tell me it's okay and push me and help lift me up where I kept going. I never struggled because I always had siblings that took care of me. Even if my parents weren't there, my sisters weren't there, they always took care of me from afar. I regret that I went to Minnesota and instead of appreciating what everybody was doing for me, because it's not like I was paying rent to anybody. I was living in somebody's house for free. And I'm talking about, this is not even like, this isn't even like my father's sister. No, this is his cousins that he had not seen in 20 years. 20 years, 20 years, and you're talking about you're going to take in my son so he can have the best education that he can. And instead of me appreciating what they did for me, I took it for granted and I fought with everybody. I said shit. I, 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 I literally tried to burn bridges. And come 2023, like I, I picked up the phone because my cousin that I was living with in Minnesota when I was with him was going to, he was in high school. And when I left, he was going to college for accounting. He graduated and now he's an accountant and he works with his father at his firm and he does my taxes. So you I'm just, upset, huh? You were upset, bro. Bro, like the, the fact that I, I picked up the phone one day and I hear his dad in the background, I'm just like, is that your dad? Can I talk to him for a second? And I, and I had the conversation of, you know, when I lived with you, I took everything that you did for me for granted. I never appreciated anything that you did, but instead I fought with you. I talked my shit. I had my attitude. I did all the unnecessary things that I didn't have to do. And I'm sorry for treating you and behaving like I did in your house. And to hear, you know, you're still family. We still love you. We definitely forgave you for the things that you said and you did. And if any time you feel like you want to continue your education and you want to come back to Minnesota for anything, we will support you and financially help you until you get yourself on your feet. That's and cool. I'm just like, bro, it took me being at the point that I am in my life now for me to really understand So, yeah, but you know, it's really that wanting to press rewind on life, but you can't. Like, I wish I could go back. I wish I could start this all over, you know, because even, even when I was in Minnesota, you know, every time to time where, you know, I would have to take transit, but 
there came a point where they were just like, here, we have an extra car in the house. Just take this car. Go get your license. I got my I got my my permit in Minnesota. They told me to go get my license. My cousin gave me his car, taught me how to drive. And was just like, I'm gonna take you to go get your license. I got my license and they gave me a car. That's growth though, bro. That's good. You know, you realize you self-evaluated. You realize you realize this is where I was fucking up. And then, you know, you apologize for it like a man. You don't usually get that from African men. No, man, but they'll ask you if you want something to eat. African men don't never apologize. Shit. That's good, though, bro. You know? See, that's the American in you. Uh, You're funny as hell. (laughs) So, I'm crying. No, so, do you, so, I, with me, the, the way I grew up, you know, I, I think with parents, the essential thing is you understand what your parent is like growing up, you know, and instead of being biased towards one, because typically in households of divorce, um, you have one parent that's biased towards another. Um, where you have that manipulation that settles in, where you you get that oh don't 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 be anything don't call your father your father isn't anything he doesn't want to talk to you you know that whole blah 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 say blah say nonsense, um, but I think that growing up just to hear that that you know you can never choose your parents thing. You know, you can never choose who your mother and your father is. You're born with your parents. You can always wish that, you know, you can have different parents, but you're always going to be born with whom you're born with. Um, hearing that statement is is very impactful, especially when you are in a relationship with somebody that has kids. Because for this generation, they don't get to always hear words of wisdom. With our generation, we have parents, or a lot of us have parents that are older. So, you know, we have those parents that have been through the hardships of whatever nation that they were living in. Um, And so we got a lot of words of wisdom growing up, a lot of advice. With these kids of nowadays, they don't really have that because, you know, it's a lot of children having children. So with that being said, um, what type of features or aspects of your parents did you recognize in yourself? Um, How did you react? And then how did that develop into the character or the person that you are today? So your father was a workaholic. Hell yeah. So as as you were growing up, you know, because in one of the podcasts you did mention that you always had games and your father wasn't there for any of your games. 
So as you were growing up and you realized that your father was a workaholic, how did that impact you then versus how you grew up to be a workaholic now? Like that moment of clarity. I mean, I realize it. I realize I'm a workaholic. I know I'm a workaholic. It's just something that it's it's like a double-edged sword. You know, it's good and it's bad. You know, the job, the job recognizes, oh, yeah, he works harder than everybody else. He does this. He does that. But on the other end of it, it hurts the family because then it's like in my head, I know, all right, fuck this job. I'm going to put my family before the job, right? But then it's like, man, I got to finish this job, though. You know, so that you start having that that battle within, and and it, it it hurts. You know, like me, if I'm traveling to Maryland, right? Instead of me asking for that day off, so I can leave early enough to get on the road, I'll wait until I get off work, which would be probably like like six six thirty, maybe if a job comes in late. Then it's be like seven o'clock. Then we, by the time everybody gets ready, we're leaving to get on the road by eight, nine o'clock. Now, if y'all don't know, I do not like driving at night. I hate driving at night. I can stay up all night, right? If I'm occupied doing something. But to me, driving is not doing something. Driving is. <laughs> driving is boring. Driving is driving. Okay, it's, no. it's, being, it's being in constant no. motion consistently at a but steady pace. The, but you see that somebody else, right? Driving is doing something. Driving is, oh, I'm occupied. I'm, you know, my mind is doing something. No, not to, not for me. Driving is a stress reliever for me. I love to drive when I'm upset. I just cruise, no, go. There's no challenge in driving. That's why I'll, I'll get sleepy and I'll fall asleep. There's no challenge in driving. So, because of, there's no challenge in driving, my mind does not see it as a viable task. So, I will fall asleep. And, yeah, I've fallen asleep before. I didn't crash my car. <laughs> you know? So, I'll wait until the last minute. We'll leave. I got to pull over. Got to pull over. Got to pull over. So, you know, being a workaholic is not, it's good and it's bad, but it's not fun, bro. It's not fun. You know, my dad, like, procrastination, I probably got that a little bit from my dad, too, but, um, you know, it depends. For me, it depends. So, like, if somebody in my family asks me to do something, I'll get it done, like, quick. You know, but, like, being on time for stuff, yeah, fuck that. I'll probably be on time the first day. After the first day, yeah, you're you're on your own. You know? Um, what else? What else? Yeah, that's it. Candy? A Thank <laughs> you.
Get the ring for me. Mm-hmm. Hello? Yes, Candace. I called you, Candace. Candace. I haven't heard Alonzo say nothing. He just been in the back creeping. Go ahead and call him. I'm doing something. Okay. Alonzo. Come on, Penny Wendy. Come on, Mama Sita. Good girl. What'd you say? The dog likes to get high in the bathroom with me. The dog likes to get high in the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. So you know, um, you know, French Frenchies have separation anxiety. Okay. So this one don't like to go, but too far. So I'm in the bathroom getting high, and she wants to be in the bathroom getting contact high too. So now she's so high, she's chewing on a toothpick. What is wrong with you? Okay. You taught the dog to get high. Uh, excuse me, mama. You gonna go to bed? You want me to light the blunt back up? Yeah, somebody call animal control. Now, you do understand they have THC the fact that you're dog. putting that on them. Yeah, like... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. I'm not putting it on them. I'm smoking, and she won't leave the vicinity because she has separation anxiety. So oh, even out. no, because then she'll claw through the door. The other bulldog. Oh, let me tell you something. Okay. The, the other bulldog. Okay, because listen, I have a. There's an American bulldog too. He chewed through the door trying to get back in because he has separation anxiety as well. He. I'm pretty sure your German Shepherd, if you leave him not in the cage, will chew through a door. Because my German Shepherd, once upon a time, chewed through a door trying to get no. to me. No, okay. he will not chew through a door. My dog is better trained than yours. This one wasn't my dog, but well, the one that chewed wasn't my dog. The other one, I wasn't home for that. Mm -hmm. He knows better. Candace, or Alonzo. Your door. Alonzo. What did you inherit from your father? Oh, ha, 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 ha. Why you always be trying to flip the script and shit? Like, why you always want to be the person to ask me questions? Because you're, you have to answer shit, too. I'm, I'm not, I never said that wasn't the case. I'm just saying, you always want to be the one to ask the question. Uh, so in, in, in the sense of inheritance, I, I understand. Okay. So from the stories that I've heard, my father was a very charming man. If he could not oh. do anything, he could make a woman laugh. Oh my gosh. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm being serious. My mother told me this. My stepmother told me this. All his little girlfriends used to say the same thing. Your father, if he was not handsome, he could make me laugh. I always understood that I always use humor in flirting. Um, I, once I learned that I was very charming with my words and that my wordplay was fantastic, um, 
Hmm. I found myself in situations that I didn't always, always want to be in. And so recently I had asked my mom, okay, I, I didn't even ask my mom. I was just having a conversation with her. And I was like, if I get married here in America, all right, and I have an American wife, and then I go back home to Nigeria because my wife is American, they don't always, she don't want to go back home, cool. And I go back home to Nigeria, right? And, you know, Nigeria is like a consistent, like, traveling back home thing. And I just so happened to marry a woman in Nigeria, too. I said, those marriage licenses, they don't conflict each other, right? Because it's a different country. They don't. She said, I, she looked at me and she said, I forbid you for having more than one wife. I said, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that I want to have more than one wife. I'm just asking if, you know, if I could have, if that was a possibility. Um, as of recently, you know, because um, I'm single again. <laughs> I'm back on the streets. Yeah. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Classic. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, we're signing out. Shout out to my man Chin. Bows in the building too. Uh, Spacks on the beat, by the way. Yeah, yeah, blow that trumpet again. Let me hear it. Hey. <laughs> I love it. Alright. Peace out. <laughs>